I'm Sachin Pavitran. I'm the executive director of the U.S. Access Board. So what inspired you to help people with disabilities? Well, I am a person with a disability. I've been blind most of my life. So it's not just a professional thing I do. It's it's a it's impacts my personal life as well. So work I do makes a significant difference in the community that I belong to, but it also has a direct impact on a daily, uh, you know, things that I do in accomplishing what I need to get done. So what did it mean to you when you became executive director of the Access Board? I've been involved in the accessibility space for you know, a couple of decades uh, and in many different areas of uh, accessibility. And the U.S. Access Board is an uh, agency that's unique in many ways because it sets a level of standards and guidelines and does it in a way that's not uh, available in any other countries. So being head of an agency that is seen as a gold golden uh, example or model on how federal government can be influential in setting those accessibility standards and guidelines and influence accessibility within the country. It's you know, it's it's an honor to be in that role. We often get uh, inquiries from other nations, heads of other uh, you know ministries and uh, government organizations on how to duplicate something like that. So to be part of an organization and lead an organization that has so much of, a, a, I guess, is, you know, envy in other countries and also here in, in the US, it's it's great to be in that position. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Access Board? Sure, yeah. So we've been in existence for 50 years now. We are a small independent federal agency. Um, when we talk about disability policy, when we talk about anything in the disability space, if you're not part of the disability community, people immediately think about uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. Well, there's been legislations that came much before the ADA. So in 1968, the Architecture Barriers Act was passed. That, that's ABA. So people tend to kind of mix up ABA and ADA. But ABA, Architecture Barriers Act, was passed by Congress in 1968 in, to ensure all federal spaces and federal facilities are accessible to the public and for em federal employees. But soon after passing uh, that legislation, it was discovered that just having that legislation doesn't mean anything because there is no technical standards that says what that accessibility should look like. So in 1973, under the Rehabilitation Act, uh, Access Board came to existence to write the technical standards on what the Architecture Barriers Act should uh, consist of. So uh, Access Board was... Uh, in, when it came into existence, wrote the technical standards, what that accessibility should look like, and also was given the authority authority to enforce the ABA, the Architecture Barriers Act. So that was the initial authority given to the Access Board, write the standards and make sure all federal agencies and federal facilities are accessible to the public and federal employees. But over the years, that role has uh, changed, more authorities have been given to 
the access port uh, above and beyond the built environment. So we we write standards and guidelines for the built environment, transit, uh, transit systems, information communication technology, medical diagnostic equipment, uh, recreation. So it has grown over the years under the Americans with Disabilities Act. We've been given more authority to work on uh, different areas. So it's not just the one that is brought us into existence. So 50 years, we've been involved in so many different areas of accessibility. But I also want to kind of touch on the structure of the agency because it's unique how we've been set up. We're a small agency with a staff of about 30 when we're fully staffed. So very small when you think about federal agencies. But we have a governing board of 25 members. Uh, 13 of them are considered public members who are usually people with disabilities or have experience in the accessibility space appointed by the president. So now we have 13 Biden appointees who are from the public from different parts of the country. Then the other 12 of the 25 member board are senior level political appointees from 12 different departments. So Department of Justice, Department of Transportation, uh, Department of Labor, Education. So senior level. So for example, from Department of Justice, it's Christian Clark, who is the Assistant Attorney General uh, for the Office of Civil Rights. Uh, Department of Labor, it's uh, Taryn Williams, who is the Assistant Secretary for uh, Office of Disability Employment and Policy. So having those senior level politicals from those 12 different departments makes a significant difference in the work that we do because the work we do is regulatory work, writing uh, regulations to ensure accessibility. But all these agency has a buy-in because they vote on these regulations as member of the board. So they have to get buy-in from this senior leadership. So having senior level politicals on our board helps communicate that to cabinet level secretaries so that those departments are on board when those regulations that we put out is uh, finalized. So that's kind of in a nutshell who we are. Uh, we are a standard setting agency that works on regulations on accessibility. Now we do not enforce all the regulations we write. We enforce only the one, which is the Architecture Barriers Act. The other regulations, we write the minimum standards, um, uh, but other agency who has been given authority, whether it's Department of Transportation or Justice, they have to adopt our minimum standards and then they do the enforcement. How does recreation help someone's confidence that it's you know accessible for all? So uh, you know, I, I mentioned I'm blind and I love the outdoors um, and I love you know doing things that your average citizen likes to do. So national parks, I want to you know I like to visit national parks. So we work with, uh, for example, with uh, the National Park Service under Department of Interior to make sure when they're working on any kind of uh, changes within those national parks, what is being done to ensure accessibility for people with disabilities? Uh, you know, what that should look like, what should the guidelines have? So we have uh, guidelines under the recreation uh, category, what, what uh, an access for someone who uses a wheelchair would be. 
Um, you know, last fall we were visiting the sites in Philadelphia where they have, you know, the different historical sites in, in Philadelphia. What are they doing for someone who's blind visiting, visiting those sites so they can have the same experience walking through getting those information, so auditory information. So they had, uh, they were setting up audio uh, guided tour. So I put on these headphones and then get information while I walk around the different parts of the, you know, those uh, historical sites. So we give feedback what that would look like. And we, you know, they also go based on our guidelines. We have what, which we've already uh, put in place. What are some of the things that motivate you? I think it's important that, you know, everyone in our community have equal access to what is what is available to all of us. Um, often when we work on different things, uh, whether it's transportation, whether it's uh, uh, designing uh, different environments around where we live, people may not think there are members of a community that may not be able to access those facilities or those uh, those environments that are being built or constructed because they didn't take accessibility into consideration. One thing I tell everyone is, you know, yes, I'm disabled, but uh, the disability community is probably the largest minority group that exists in this country. The longer you live, you will become disabled at some point. It's it's just a fact. You know you can't escape that. Now you may or may not see it that way, um, but some at, at some point in your life, if you live long enough, you're going to acquire something that is going to be a form of a disability. So if we can be proactive and set those accessibility standards and start building and designing, whether it's a built environment or digital space, in the digital space, websites, uh, whatever it might be, transit uh, systems, whether it's uh, trains, bus systems, whatever it is, designing it so that's more inclusive, that it will help all of us in the future, whether you have a disability right now or you get a disability in the future, or if you have a family member, who has who may acquire this? So it's it's creating a space that's uh, inclusive, and I think you know it's yes, it's personal for me, but it's also kind of creating a space that everyone feels welcome. You're not isolating someone just because that thought was not put into it when design was happening. I've talked to some families who are. Uh really want to get accessible uh, playgrounds and stuff like that. How important is it to think of the kids when you are writing uh, regulations? I think it's important to think of the, the entire spectrum of age, but, uh, you know, to elderly population, you don't want, you don't want to design something that's for a certain age group. When you design and, and also, you don't want to design something that's for a disability group. You want, when we work on design standards, it's to be inclusive of all, all, everyone, regardless their age, 
that they are whether they're you know child versus you know someone's elderly or middle age whatever that age group might be so that that's how our approach is so even recreation there's great examples uh, i live in virginia i've seen some great uh, recreation places for children you know designed for children but i also see places that's designed for uh, you know all ages so it's you know you know obviously the parks uh, that are built for more children you know for that age group it's it needs to be ensured that all children with all abilities can participate so there's not the separation or segregation of uh, you know disabled children goes to this park only and everyone else goes to the other part so you, you need to be the kids need to be able to uh, play and grow up with their peers where do you want to see the access board in the next few years the access board has been you know like i said we came into existence about uh, you know 50 years ago trying to set standards for the built environment i think we have a great credibility when it comes to the built environment these days the conversation um has been very much about the digital world because that's what's fast moving right now the digital space and, not, and i'm not just talking websites i'm talking about all you know the way we do business you know how you and i'm talking right now over zoom you know, before covid we never even really talked about you know these kind of spaces there's a lot of things happening in the virtual space uh, so spending more time in you know how to make that future of include uh, digital space more inclusive um virtual spaces because there's virtual spaces are taking a lot of different directions it's not just attending a zoom meeting it's creating a virtual world basically to do healthcare and shopping and conferences it's it's evolving so fast it's hard to kind of keep up where all this is going on this conversation about artificial intelligence what that's going to have as far as impact in our lives, you know, autonomous vehicles, what the future of transportation is going to look like. You know, to I want us as as the access board to be involved in that conversation. So we're not trying to retrofit and have to address accessibility issues because we came too late to the game. Uh, you know, transportation uh, as we know it is being completely shaken up because of this whole concept around autonomous vehicle. We don't know when that's going to be a reality. But I don't want to wait for that to be a reality before we start addressing accessibility issues. So uh, my uh, role is to make sure we're part of the conversation when the industry is working on these kind of different uh, innovations. So we are part of uh, solutions and making sure accessibility is not forgotten and people with disabilities are not forgotten. How can people reach out and learn more? Um, so we have obviously our website. That's where one way to learn. But we have all our social media channels also where we post different things that we have been involved in, you know, whether it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, we share all our information. We also provide lot of uh, webinars annually we have set webinars uh, like we do 18 webinars every year uh, 12 on built environment which happens uh, once a month 
and then six on the digital uh, space, which happens every other month. These are free webinars, which are archived as well, that people can attend, uh, you know, to learn about some of our, the work that we do with standards and guidelines. But and like I said, follow us on our social media platforms. And so, you know, you're aware about, uh, you know, what's happening with the access board. But also the work that we do, when I said uh, the regulatory work, it's, is not something that we do by ourselves. We we have public comment periods where uh, we want to hear from the public. When we put out a notice of proposed rulemaking, we want to hear from the public to get their perspective. We want to hear from the industry to get their perspective. So when the rule, when we go through the process of rulemaking, the the final version, what's finalized in regulation, is a comprehensive uh, uh, input that we have received from both public and the public sector and also our expertise on staff. 